Welcome to Engineering Fields of Dreams podcast. We're here to share stories and professional experiences of engineers across disciplines and let you explore the amazing world of engineering. Each episode, you'll hear inspiring stories and advice from engineers, allowing you to learn from their successes and experiences. Whether you're an engineering student, a veteran engineer, or just curious about engineering, we invite you to join us and explore the amazing and ever-changing world of engineering. Welcome to this episode, The Path Less Traveled, with our guest, Dell. Thank you for being here today, Dell. Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Dell Shannon. I am currently the chief dam engineer for Kewitt Infrastructure Engineers. Kewitt's the third largest contractor in the country, and we've opened up an engineering shop inside the company. So that's where I sit. I'm the immediate past president of the U.S. Society on Dams and have spent the bulk of my 30-year career designing and building dams. I've spent about 20 years on the design side and about 10 years on the construction side. So have a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism from Pacific Lutheran University and a Master's of Science in Civil Engineering from the University of Colorado at Boulder. Wonderful. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Why did you choose this career? Well, I wish I could say I had this grand vision of it. I feel like the accidental engineer sometimes, but when I was growing up, my grandfather was a civil engineer, a geotechnical engineer, and he had his own company. The name of the company is Shannon and Wilson, and they're headquartered out of Seattle. And he was and remains one of the most, I guess, successful people that I personally know. And I thought, boy, if he could, if he could be successful in a career of civil and geotechnical engineering, sure, so could I. A few hiccups along the road, but that's what makes life interesting. I I entered an undergraduate in civil engineering when I was 18 and was immediately weeded out with a bunch of courses in calculus and physics and whatnot. And I said, all right, well, I'll go get a, another degree. So I got a BA in journalism because I enjoy writing and communicating. I, I got lucky. I got a job at a geotechnical engineering firm writing proposals. And it was there that I really understood for the first time what it was a civil slash geotechnical engineer did. And I wish they would have told me that in my undergrad. They were just there to weed me out. and They did a great job of it. But it was after I graduated that I really got to understand what civil engineering was. And so I've been following that path. I went back to school, got a master's degree and so on. But my grandfather was the inspiration to become a civil engineer. And I've taken that and crafted my own interesting career that, that combines design and construction and and water and these big, huge dams that we work on. It's It's been a fascinating uh, journey. That does sound like a fascinating journey. And it's interesting to learn that we both have inspirations in civil engineering from our grandfathers. Oh. So my grandfather was a civil engineer in Honolulu, Hawaii, and his firm was started in 1939. So just before Pearl Harbor. Oh. And then I came from the field of communication that I'm now teaching civil engineers how to better communicate. So that's an interesting thread we share. Yeah, interesting. So what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew before graduation? Well, I just touched on that. I wish I knew what it actually was a civil engineer did day in and day out and what they were doing. It's the equations and all that. I get it. It's important. It's very important. There's just so much more to, to what we do. We meet with clients, we meet with stakeholders, 
we're given these thorny problems and we're asked to untangle them, make them safe for everyone. We don't discriminate in, in anything that we do. Every, everyone and every person has to be able to use and benefit from what we do. So understanding that and solving those problems takes much more than just equations. There's all these other things. I thought I knew that because I grew up with my grandfather, but he was just such the nicest man. I thought everybody was like that in civil engineering. And not to say there's they're not. There are those who only focus on the numbers and we need those people, but there are also these other skills that, that are needed. I wish I would have been exposed to that broader tapestry of what it is that civil engineers do, what the cool projects we work on, how creative it is. I had no idea how creative it was. The creative problem solving is just, I love that. To, to get a bunch of people in a room and untangle this really complex problem is it is the most creative thing I can think of. You touched on the importance of communicating with your team and with clients. What do you think would have been helpful like as an undergraduate or master's student to better prepare you for the real world? Well, I would have loved to actually work on a project. And I didn't get that opportunity in either my undergrad or my, my graduate school. That, that I'm old and <laughs> they're doing that now. They've seen your projects and whatnot. But I would have actually loved to touch and start helping. And even in the smallest way, just lend a hand on some part of, a, of an actual project that I, that I could work on. I would have just enjoyed that. The, I understood why I was learning the theory and it's important to learn the theory. I just wanted to marry that up with something tangible because mm -hmm. that's really why I became a civil engineer is not the theory. It's to better our society. It's to build things. It's to provide structures and systems for the people that we serve. I really see it as a service industry, um, honestly. Yes, I agree with that one 100%. Can you recall a challenging professional situation and what did you learn from it? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I, we, if we're lucky in our career, we have these watershed projects that just... I guess either cement things in or just one of these aha moments where the sun comes down from heaven and you're blessed with this knowledge. But for me, that project, and I got very lucky, I was the lead designer on one of the first design build dams in the country. It wasn't a big dam, but it was a very high hazard dam. It would kill 500 people if it failed. And it was a water supply dam. And the owner went, it's called Pinebrook Dam. It's in Boulder, Colorado, where my home is. And the owner went out and got, a, got his funding without doing the proper, real proper engineering on the front end. And he said, well, I think it's going to be about four and a half million dollars. So he went out and got four and a half million dollars in bonding. And then he selected the design build team. And I was on the engineering side of the equation. And he came to us and said, all right, if you want this project, you've got to be able to deliver it for four and a half million dollars. And I, only, I think only one other engineering firm said, no, we'll sign up for that. But their price was even twice what ours was. We were the guys that, that raised our hand and said, yeah, we can do that. And we did. And we were incredibly creative. We were incredibly innovative. I don't know that I'll go into all the gory technical details of what that is, but we really challenged ourselves. We challenged the constructors. We challenged the owner. And we said, owner, are you able to live with more risk than, than we might recommend? And he said, yes. And that put downward pressure on the cost. But we were able to finally deliver in a very short amount of time, 18 months from the start of the design to when we finished the dam and closed the valve and started storing water. And so that to me was a real watershed moment, pun intended, of how if you got real creative, you could put a a lot of downward pressure on the cost, on the schedules, and provides water for humans. And I was just amazed at how good we were able to pull that job off. As compared to traditional methods, I think we saved about 40% 
on the overall cost of it. And I thought, well, that's, if we can do it here, we can do it anywhere. And, and so that, again, untangling that knot and really challenging each other to, to solve this problem with a, with a stated budget was a fascinating challenge. And I just enjoyed the heck out of it. The owner and I are still friends. Wait, to this day, 20 years later, we're still buddies. He calls me and uh, it's just one of those projects that just solidifies why it is what you do and how to do it. And I would expect that you took lessons from that in the creative design and we're able to apply it to future dam projects in similar situations. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, to, to the sometimes howling descent of my peers, because this is the way we've always done it. But I pointed that dam and I said, listen, there, we pulled it off here. Why can't we do it there? And I get these furrowed brows in response. But <laughs> it, it also put me on a career path that I'm still on. And so I thought, Civil engineers and contractors needed to be working together as soon as possible in the process, because I can tell you after trying to cost estimate for 20 years, I don't know how to do it. I still don't know how to do it. And the contractors who, who do it day in and day out, they really understand it. And so, and so I started going down the path of, I need to work with contractors. And so that's how I got, that's how I switched over to the construction side. And I really learned how to build things. And so marrying the design and how to build it just was just critical in my career and understanding how to actually be a better designer. So many of our designers never get out and get their boots muddy or see something go wrong and then have to go fix it. And it's, it's just an incredible value, valuable learning experience to, to do that. That was a great story. And thank you for sharing that. What advice would you impart to someone just starting their career? Oh, be curious, I guess, is I've been following my curiosity for 30 years, and it has not let me down. Even in the bad experiences that I look back on, what I thought were bad, they were actually really valuable. (laughs) And so really just remain curious. And by that, I mean, you can challenge conventional ways of thinking and the conventional ways of doing it. Ask, why are we doing it this way? And you'll probably be surprised to get these blank stares back. And so we've always done it. Well, that's a great opportunity to start digging into why, and maybe there's a more efficient, better way to do it. Civil engineers are tasked with building projects with a finite amount of resources, whatever the minimal resources you need to keep it safe and functioning. And so that's a real challenge. So instead of just defaulting to the conservatism, which makes things more and more expensive, can we do this in a better way and still maintain all that we want want to maintain? So that takes a curious personality, someone who's always just asking and asking questions, being a polite pain in the neck, (laughs) just challenging. That's okay. That's okay. So I guess that's what I would say. It just, if you remain curious and follow that curiosity, I don't think it'll let you down. Yeah. And I think one of the things that junior engineers face sometimes coming straight out of school is like a fear of asking questions and maybe looking not so smart. So they hold back on asking questions. And that's actually been a theme of several of my guests on the podcast is the importance of asking questions. Yes, absolutely. There are many ways to to solve these problems. I'm not a fan of standards at all. I understand why they're there. I get it. But we should more have guidance. The task is yours. Here's what it needs to ultimately do. But figure out a better way to do that. That that really should be our mandate. And I think one of the things that a junior engineer joining a team have a little bit of leeway is to be able to say, Hey, why are we doing this way? Explain it to me. And, 100%. Yes. And I feel as, as a manager, even sometimes when I know the answer, I ask people to explain something to me. And I think that's a really good process for revisiting those assumptions 
and questioning, is this the best way to do things? I know we've done it this way always in the past, but is it the best way? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And you can do it in a professional, polite way, but there's nothing wrong with challenging the way we're doing things. Ask those questions. Maybe there's a, I know there's a better way to do it. I absolutely know that. But having done it for 30 years, yeah. <laughs> there's always better ways to do it. So yes. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation today and some very sage advice. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to be here, Matt. Thanks for inviting me and best of luck to you and your students. Thank you. Thank you. We'd like to thank today's guests for sharing their professional experience and career advice. We appreciate their insight and taking the time to share them with our audience. To you, the listener, thank you for joining us on this journey and exploring the ever-evolving world of engineering. We hope we've inspired you to pursue your dreams and ambitions. Let us know if there are topics or fields you'd like to hear more about. Until next time, we wish you the best of luck on your engineering journey. Thank you.